Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the EFT Healing Center Online Radio Network. I'm your host, Scott Patton, and joining us as usual is the founder of the EFT Healing Center, Annabelle Fisher. Hey, Annabelle, how are you doing today? Hello, Scott. I am really well, thank you. And how are you? I'm, uh, I'm doing wonderful and uh, really, really excited about today's show because uh, I always think it's amazing when we talk about topics that come out of real life situations and scenarios and before we went on the air you were telling me a little bit about uh, an experience that you had with with someone recently and I think uh, it's really valuable for us to share that with our audience today. Yes absolutely Uh, and uh, it happened just uh, not long before we started speaking either. Uh, So I was working uh, with a new client um, who has a chronic illness and uh, he was talking about the frustrations of being ill and uh, what that was like for him Uh, and he's young he's in his early 20s um and i uh we did some tapping together and he he after we'd done a round of tapping he said to me i'm starting to consider is there a part of me that benefits from being so very ill and i said uh this is a great question to ask yourself and what do you think the answer is um and he said well i think i've looked uh, or i believed that my illness is a bit of a security blanket for me wow now he's had the illness for um half of his life uh he was diagnosed when he was 12 and uh he's now in as i say in his early 20s um so if we put ourselves in that situation if we imagine half of our lives we have behaved in a certain way Uh, We've been limited by something in a certain way, and our filters and programs have been operating in a certain way. I mean, if that's half of somebody's life, uh, that's a good chunk of time for them to adjust to a new way of being, a new them. And that, of course, became normal for him. So for him, even though consciously he wants to be well and do everything that he is uh, supposed to to be able to do and uh, to reach all that wonderful goodness and full potential, um, he, his life uh, as it is now is very normal uh, and there is probably a bigger part of him that is unable to comprehend what his life would be like if he weren't ill because how can he possibly remember? And in fact, I asked him, can you remember what it was like when you were about 10 or 11 and what your your body felt like, and he admitted that he couldn't. Well, of course not, because he's had the more more recent evidence of what it's like to not be well, and uh, that that has uh, that has become normal and familiar. So imagine in that moment thinking, I could have a life different from this, uh, and uh, one that would create change, um, and it would be one of wellness. Um, and that's quite a frightening proposition for uh, for a lot of people because it's so very different and unfamiliar. I think that's the key. Is it's very unfamiliar. So, you know, at least I know what this is like right now. I have survived this so far, right now. And uh, what you know? So what is? Uh, uh, you know, if I now, if I become really, it's really, I mean, from an intellectual, logical perspective, it's totally backwards. But from our emotional 
uh, sides, you know, the little child growing up. Well, I knew that if I was sick, mommy looked after me and I survived. So that, you know, I often tell some of my friends, I don't think of any of this stuff as logical. It's not. It's emotional, which is a totally different way of, of thinking of it. But I can see how somebody who's had everything looked after has survived for half their life using, let's say, this strategy would have a, a concern about changing it because there's no proof that if I do this and become healthy that uh, I'll actually be able to survive. Absolutely, you're right, because there's no evidence, because he hasn't experienced that. Uh, where, where is the evidence of being an adult in good health? Well, he hasn't ever had that. So there's nothing to fall back on and think, oh yeah, I remember what that was like, and it was amazing. Uh, so uh, instead, his filters work in the sense of, well, if I recover from this, uh, then I think I will fall into these patterns. So he said to me that um, throughout uh, his teenage years that he was very hard on himself and he was a perfectionist. So he said that um, w with the illness, it's a way out. I don't have to strive for perfection. I guess there's always the reason why, like, oh, well, he's sick. He's got Crohn's. Uh, that, there's always that going on in the background. We, uh, so... Um, I, I said to him that it's interesting with the ex, with expectations because I hear that a lot with my uh, with my clients that are very ill. If I recover, I'll be expected to X, Y, and Z. Um, but the thing about expectations is most usually they are put on us by ourselves. So in the case of my client, he would probably put those expectations on himself to strive and and uh, move forward in whatever direction he felt he had to. So what goes through my mind as I'm listening to you, Annabelle, is if I, have this, if I have this illness, it protects me. I don't have to have an expectation of going for perfection or anything else. So the pressure comes off, and that's my payoff doing this. Yes, that's brilliant, a brilliant way of putting it. The secondary gain or the payoff. Yes, what a relief to not have to be perfect. And uh, I don't need to be perfect because, look, um, there's, I have this illness, and it's clear for everyone to see, so I'll be given a break. <laughs> so, and of course, the the not so good payoff of this is, I'm in pain. I can't do some of the other things I might like to do in my life, um, and 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 so sh and so it goes, right? Yes, well, consciously, there is no payoff, of course, because consciously, it would be very unusual to find somebody who consciously wanted to be ill. I, I, it's my belief. Right, right. So this all works at the subconscious level, which is a very powerful level. Absolutely, yes. So, I mean, I, I know you and I have discussed this in other podcasts, but just a reminder for the listeners that the subconscious is in the driver's seat. It's controlling nine, at least 95% of the way that we think. Uh, and as I learned this morning, according to Bruce Lipton, uh, it's actually 97%. There's been evidence to show that. So if we've only got 5% of our thinking is actually conscious, uh, we're already in a rather limited uh, position. Uh, so the, the subconscious is giving us all the reasons it possibly can uh, why it's safer and easier um, and much more secure to remain sick. Hmm. So I, you know, I've just as I've been listening to you, I've been thinking 
what I, if this was me, what I would need to do then is change the expectation that when I get healthy, I need to be perfect. Yes, exactly. Um, because uh, that, that could be reason enough to keep somebody back in illness. Uh, that if I'm well, I'll have to be perfect, whatever perfect means to that person. Cause of and, course that and probably nobody has any idea except it's perfect and it's really stressful to even try to be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, th this is the, the cruelness or the irony about uh, perfectionism that, I mean, it's very subjective because if you said to me, I want to be perfect and I asked you what that meant, it would probably be entirely different to my con. Uh, perception of perfect right. um, and then of course the cruel cruelty around perfection is um, if somebody's driving and uh, is, is, is highly driven by uh, being a perfectionist then when they do reach that ceiling of perfection it's never quite enough there's almost like an anti-climax of oh I'm there uh, so now I'm going to struggle and strive to get to the the next ceiling, and it's always just a little bit out of reach. Uh, so it's it's there that person is raising the bar themselves all the time, and that's extremely draining. It's extremely overwhelming and and very unfulfilling as well. So if somebody's got all that cluttering up their mindset all the time, little wonder it's going to take its toll on the body. Um, and as my client said to me earlier, uh, I have a fear of failing. Mm. Uh, so what better reason, again, as far as the subconscious is concerned, to stay sick uh, than, um, well, I, if I get well, I might fail. Uh, what if I stay sick, then I, I won't even have to try or uh, nobody would even find out. So it's, it's much more of a uh, security blanket and, and safety zone to stay here. Right. And because all of this stuff happens, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense when we, when we kind of think about it from, uh, from that emotional perspective. If, if I'm ill, then I get out, it's a get out of jail free card. I can be, you know, who I am and not have to worry about all these feelings of uh, needing to be perfect or needing to be better or needing to be whatever they may be. So it's kind of like um, abdicating my my role in life as I see it and probably it's a role in life that I don't want either right which is why it's so easy for me to just go that way as opposed to try and fight through it on a subconscious level obviously on a conscious level he's in this particular case he's coming to you he's doing everything he can to get better but he's the problem is he's still fighting that subconscious stuff that's saying hey if if I do get better then I'm, you know, I'm going to quote unquote die because I'm not going to be able to make it to perfection. I'm going to fail. I'm going to have all these things happening. And it just seems to me that it's interesting to me where that kind of comes from, whether it's something that a parent just said, whether deliberately or just off the cuff or without even thinking that the, that the child picked up and just really hung on to, or if it was something that uh, they got off of TV or a friend of them said or came genetically and I guess it really doesn't matter that much where it comes from as much as it does you know how do we deal with our subconscious so that uh, we can move stronger in the direction that we want to go in our lives consciously which is you know living vibrant healthy lives 
Yes, I mean, you raise a, a couple of points there, Scott, that, that are really useful, I think, because one of them uh, you said, uh, I think you said something about survival and, and needing to survive or, or will I die? And of course, the role of the subconscious is to protect us and keep us safe so that we survive. Uh, so its its biggest concern is will will I die if I move forward into this? So can you imagine having a, a, at that subconscious level that the greatest fear of all is will I die? Um, so why on earth would the subconscious allow us to move forward in this case into good health? Because there's that threat, the biggest threat of all, will I die? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one point and one reason why it's in the driver's seat holding holding us back for whatever it is. It doesn't have to be about uh, health. It could be any number of things that I know that we'll talk about shortly. And then you mentioned about how, why, why would somebody be in that position in the first place? Um, how did these beliefs start? Where were they created? Um, and of course, that's, that's the beauty of EFT, because once we establish that, um, then uh, we can work on the specific times that those uh, beliefs came into play. So did somebody observe something uh, from a parent or overhear something? Were they told something uh, that made them uh, start to think or reinterpret the world and uh, create a belief around it that they assumed was the truth? Um, so w when you say it doesn't really matter where it comes from, uh, the, the focus is on the healing and feeling safe enough to move forward. Um, I agree uh, that that is the goal for healing and growth to take place. And of course, that can only take place when the beliefs are um, honored and uh, reframed and considered in a different way uh, so that the person feels free enough to move on. Right. And I guess sometimes the way to do that is to deal with that specific, because we could say, okay, you have a belief, <clears throat> and then we can tap on it and everything else, but it's way more effective, I suppose, if we said, if we talked about the belief that was developed at the very, like the seed uh, belief, as opposed to all the flower beliefs that come out from it, right? If I can put it that way? I'm yes. Sure, I'm not sure if yes. my analogy is quite, quite right, but I'm thinking like there's this one little seed where it all started from and there's roots coming out from that and we can pluck a little root here a little root there but if we don't get the the main um, uh, uh, genesis of it then it'll just continue growing that's right and i think that's what we were talking about a couple of podcasts back about finding out the importance of finding the root uh, so that everything else doesn't blur and become a generalization. That there, was, there was a starting point somewhere, whether it's something that we overheard or we were told or something that we saw that then created the belief. Um, and, and all the, the logic was then uh, disregarded. Uh, so certainly, yes, f finding that root and addressing it and then uh, rewriting that belief for sure. Um, and then that's where the progress starts. So going, going back to the security blanket of what, what's going on. So my client said his illness was uh, perhaps a security blanket. It doesn't necessarily need to be, uh, we don't need to be sick uh, to have a fear of moving forward. Um, and perhaps fear of failure or whatever it is that's coming up. I mean, it could be whatever's currently going on in our lives. So um, um, this is the crazy-making thing. If somebody's perhaps in a, 
a relationship that is uh, limiting them in some way and, and they, they're unclear how to get out of it or perhaps if they're in a job that doesn't fulfill them uh, or, or any number of different scenarios that are going on for them. Logically, they know it's not working and they really want to turn it around and change something, but there's so much that that current situation offers them, so many secondary gains to be had that it's really hard to move forward out of it. So I think the the clue is, is there a part of me that benefits? That was my client's question. I thought it was a brilliant question, yeah, because it just goes back to my question that I always ask my clients, what is the downside of recovery for you? So is there a part of me that benefits from being in this situation? And uh, in, in other words, where where am I slowing myself down here uh, in my life? Uh, so so I, I'm sick and I want to be well. Uh, I've sort of come to a, a, a stop, a standstill. Uh, and so uh, what benefit do I get out of that rather than being able to move forward with vibrancy and thriving, reaching my fullest potential? So um, where am I holding myself back and why might I be doing that? Is, is there a part of me that benefits here? And also, uh, what am I protecting by doing that? So in this case, uh, my client said, well, I'm afraid of failing. So he was protecting that part of him that was afraid of failing. Right. Huh. So you're reminding me of a, f a friend of mine who um, was anorexic. Uh, I, well, is anorexic, I guess, still. And when we talked about it, she said, well, what happened was when I was 11 years old, uh, two of my friends told me I was fat. And ever since then, I stopped eating. And it just, and so as I'm hearing you talk about like re rewriting the belief or changing the belief and at the core, and I'm thinking of my friend and the 40 odd years of uh, therapy she's gone through <laughs> and still, uh, you know, ineffective in terms of if you're looking for a result, right? I mean, I guess it's effective in terms that she hasn't starved herself, but it's ineffective in terms of getting over the the anorexia. And just listening to you, I'm, her, her, to you, I'm just thinking, wow, you know, if she'd tapped on that when she was in her teenage years, uh, <laughs> what a difference her life would have been. Well, exactly, because I can't, I mean, I don't know who she is, but I can only imagine that there are, many, many more people in her life that have told her she she perhaps could put on weight or she looks fine, she's beautiful, she's loved. There are many, many more people that have said those empowering comments than there are that those two schoolgirls or whoever they were that said you're fat once. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, and yet that that was the damage done, so to speak. All, all that needed was some playground comment uh, an off-the-cuff remark that probably those little girls didn't even remember saying half an hour later, mm -hmm. um, and that planted the seed. Um, so for, for in this instance, that wasn't a turning point enough for her to then translate that as, I need to starve myself so that nobody else calls me fat again, or, or whatever the language was for her. Mm -hmm. And now the filters are such that there's 
the blurring again that she's not uh, conscious of other people saying it would be probably healthier if you put on weight or you look great or whatever it is that she's being told. She's still back as a five-year-old in the playground being told you're fat. That's right. So then the question is, what's, what's her security blanket here? Uh, is there a part of her that benefits from that, I mean, these are uh, these are hard questions, Scott. I mean, anybody jumping into our podcast and listening to this one as the first one might start to question what what kind of practitioner I was and who are you to ask me these things and what are they saying? Because um, when we're thinking about the subconscious, it, it's quite hard to accept that there is a very big part of us that might get something out of being stuck might get something out of being where we are. Mm -hmm. um, and facing that is, uh, I believe, part of the courage that it takes to then start using EFT. Um, I mean, I always talk to you about one, I believe, one of the most successful ways of applying EFT is to get, get down and think about what, what is it that I want to work on? What is it that I need to work on? Rather than kind of just rushing into tapping straight off. Uh, so asking the questions of, um, is there a part of me that benefits from being this way? So in the, in the, uh, the, so for your friend, is there a part of me that benefits from being anorexic? Uh, in other words, looking this way, living this lifestyle, uh, people responding to me in the way that they do. As I say, I don't know her, but my sense is she probably gets a lot of attention uh, even even if it's concerned attention, it's still attention. Mm -hmm. uh, so so what what is she getting out of being that way? Uh, and the same, of course, is uh, true for people that are overweight. Uh, is there a part of them that benefits from from that? And I guess I guess what we can say to everybody is the answer to this question is yes. And if you delve into what the yes is then you're on your way to making the change that we all say consciously we want to make, right? Because we all want to improve, we all want to be healthier, we all want to be smarter, we all want to do better at work, we all want to have better relations and everything else. And if there's something stopping us from doing that, we can, we can take the victim status, which is, oh, you know, poor me, I'm not good enough, this enough, that enough, whatever enough. Or we can say, well, somewhere in here, I have a benefit. I don't want to know what the benefit is consciously, because otherwise I'd know right now what it is. Yes, uh, that's so right. I, and I wouldn't be doing it. Exactly. I wouldn't be doing it. But, you know, my conscious, my subconscious is, you know, it wants to protect me. And somewhere along the lines, it thought this was how to do it. So I need to kind of shine the light on that dark, uh, dusty corner of my mind somewhere and once I know what it is I'm probably going to have an easy time easier time changing I don't want to make that generalization but I, I remember early on in my podcasting career I had a co-host who listened to a couple episodes we did and noticed that after every sentence we said right he and I both did like every sentence <laughs> and when you listen to it it was like oh you know, we got it, and so as soon as we were aware of it, we we immediately cut about sixty percent of the rights out, <laughs> and then we and then we would watch each. We were now aware of it, so then we would start cutting more and more, and 
and we'd point to each other like, oh, you just said it, right? Uh, right? You know, it's, e- <laughs> it's easy for it to just slip out. And and we got to the point where it was no longer quite the issue that it was for us. Like we never had any feedback on that topic, but we were listening. We thought, oh, this isn't really uh, the way we want to speak and present and everything else so but we weren't aware of it once we listened to ourselves and we saw or heard what we were doing then it was it wasn't i won't i don't want to say it was easy but immediately there was 50 to 60 percent improvement and then we chop it down chop it down chop it down we had to be aware of it constantly but the awareness just doing that helped us solve that problem Yes, I mean that's a brilliant analogy, Scott. Because how would you have known if you if it hadn't been pointed out to you? Well, as you said, it wasn't actually pointed out, but you you played it back. So in a sense, you were pointing it out to one another. Like that's oh, right. Listen to how often we say this. Well, actually, he he listened, noticed it, played it, and pointed it out to me, and 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 so then we worked together to cut it out. Mm-hmm. So I think it is that self-awareness. Um, and it was it's interesting because I was uh, doing uh, my uh, twice-monthly radio show today, and I was interviewing a colleague of mine in the States, and we were talking about uh, how negative emotions impact the body and, uh, and what our body is telling us and so forth. And she was talking about going into that poor me victim stage that you've just mentioned as well. And I think that that's that's interesting with regard to the security blanket too, because often people find it's easier to step or to stay in that role uh, because that's safe. Um, And of course that has potentially many secondary gains and benefits from it, getting more attention and and affection and who knows, whatever else that goes on. And I think having an awareness that perhaps the person is in that place um, and a little bit of self-respect, kindness, compassion as to how... How can I see whatever is going on as an opportunity to heal rather than the world is against me or isn't this typical of my life or whatever the self-talk is that goes on there? So just being mindful of, hmm, perhaps I've kind of gone into that mentality a bit that um, I'm feeling a bit of a victim today. Um, and just having that awareness, uh, does that serve me in some way? So literally pointing it out to our- ourselves. And then thinking, yep, I, I recognize I'm in that place and this is an opportunity for me. So perhaps I, I could consider it from that point of view and then I can move, move forward. So I think coming from that kind perspective uh, offers an opportunity so that change isn't so threatening. Like, not, oh, this is so rubbish and I hate my life and who knows how I can change it. But more, more about, hmm, I wonder why, why I would feel like this right now. Why would I find myself in this situation? That's, uh, I think that's awesome. That's really, really important what, uh, what you've just shared. Because many, many times I know in my life I've been harsh on myself for things that just, you know, well, you did this and we need to fix it, but there's fixing something and there's fixing it with anger, right? Like I have a wooden set of stairs from my upstairs balcony to the floor, to the ground, and uh, some of the steps were a little loose, so I bought some nails 
And this morning I was pounding these nails into the steps to make them, you know, not loose, right? And and I wasn't, uh, you know, swearing at the old nails that were tired and rusted. And I wasn't, you know, irritated at the wood that was chipped. And these are all the reasons why the pieces, the steps were not as... Uh, solid as they should be, right? I mean, I was just taking my nail, hammering the nail in, hammering the next nail in, and pretty well done, right? But there's so many times in our lives where we're just hammering the nails and fixing it, but we're just doing it with such anger and resentment and and mean-spiritedness that uh, it's no wonder that our, our, our stairs don't last long. <laughs> yeah, very good. Yes, and, and so then the same goes for ourselves. And, uh, and treating ourselves with that uh, kindness and respect as to, hmm, this isn't quite working for me. <laughs> These stairs aren't working well right now. This isn't safe. I, I need to do something. So this behavior pattern isn't working for me right now. Uh, so how is it serving me to continue in this way? Uh, is there a benefit? And uh, I, I've come to a bit of a kind of standstill here. So uh, am I protecting myself in some way by behaving this way? And therefore, what, what could I possibly get by moving onwards and out of it? So that could, that could cover anything, Scott, from illness to, uh, I mean, you gave a whole selection just now, but things like uh, feeling dissatisfied in a relationship or a job, uh, financial challenges, uh, you name it, uh, procrastination, uh, fears about the future, uh, that there has to be some reason why the person has stopped and is not able to move forward out of this current situation. Yeah, and I think if we look at it as it's not my fault, it's just the way it is. It's not my fault the stairs were loose. I mean, I'd been going up and down them for years, and it's uh, so I could look at it as my fault. If I'd never gone up and down the stairs, then they would never have been loose. But then what's the point of having stairs? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I, whatever I, I did that I'm mad at myself for doing, you know, it's well, that's just, you know, part of who I am. And if I don't like that, the stairs are creaky, this part of my life or this behavior is kind of creaky, then I can... I can get some tools and I can fix it. Yes. I don't, I don't have to fix it being angry and upset and mad and beating myself up over it. Because if I w had taken that attitude, I'm pretty sure I would have really, really sore thumbs right now from hitting it with my hammer. Because <laughs> I would have missed the nail and hit myself. Yes, exactly. So I think that having that uh, sense of awareness and then using EFT to tap on that. So, for example, if we, we know that we're getting something out of being a certain way, then just honor that with EFT. So even though there are benefits to me being sick or even though there are benefits to me playing a victim in this situation, even though there are benefits to me uh, seeming unhappy in this relationship, or whatever it is, I accept myself anyway. Uh, so, so give ourselves permission to acknowledge, yes, I get it. Uh, I, I see where that this is offering me a security blanket. And I'm scared because I have to, there's a possibility I, I might need to change it now, and that's okay. That's right. That's right. Awesome. Well, Annabelle, we've kind of come to the end of our time together today. Uh, if somebody wanted to know more about how they can delve into maybe these undercurrents that are feeding the 
dissatisfaction, whether it's a health, illness sort of thing, or behavior, or work-related, relationship-related, uh, what should they do? Well, I'd love uh, the listeners to go to my website, Scott, which is www.theefthealingcenter.com. And I've just got my new uh, dates uh, for my fall schedule up for my workshops. Uh, so I'm really excited about those. I've already had such a big interest, and uh, we're not even halfway through the summer. So I'm very excited about this. I mean, lots and lots of the topics that you and I discuss, I cover in much more depth in the workshops that I offer. So people can have a really solid grounding and uh, good foundations in how to use EFT and really understand how to use it appropriately and what, what happens if it's not uh, working. Uh, as well as they would hope it can. So please, I urge people to go to my site and take a look there. And there's all sorts of resources and audios there. And of course, I will just give the website for the EFT gathering, which is taking place in October here in Vancouver, which is www.canadianeftgathering.com. Com. And you can come and participate in lots of demonstrations and presentations given by EFT experts from North America and Britain. Yeah, and get a chance to, to meet Annabelle in person, which is always a wonderful experience. <laughs> yes, I'll pay you that 50 bucks later, Scott, for saying <laughs> that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it is a wonderful experience. Oh, well, oh, that'll, that'll get the registrations soaring now after you've said that. <laughs> that's right. Well, there's something to be said for actually being face-to-face uh, -face with people and interacting on a way that happens in, at these gatherings that can't really uh, happen the same way w over the phone or... Um, or even listening to the podcast. And so it's really important if you want to take the next step that you attend events like this, these that are live, you get to meet other people who can support you and where you want to go and what you want to do. And some of the people that come want to become EFT practitioners and some of the people that come just want to use EFT to improve their, to improve their lives, their health, uh, their relationships, whatever the issues are for them. So, um, it's a great experience for everybody, and, and I've been to a few of the events that Annabelle's put on, and I must say everybody really works hard to, to support each other, and it's wonderful to see and to be a part of. Great. Thank you, Scott. So thanks for joining us, everybody. You've been listening to the EFT Healing Center online radio network. Look forward to uh, having you with us next time. Bye-bye.